0: Ah, oh, Hello my lovely ladies. I hope you had a nice weekend. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode with Dr. Claudia. Mm, what a powerful woman. I admire her journey. I don't want to tell you too much. You're gonna really enjoy this segment and I know you're gonna get so many takeaways for your own life. Claudia and I are both a part of The Wanna Club was based in Philadelphia and there's also a mainline branch. So I knew of her and I met her a couple times, but I didn't really know her story or what she did. I knew she was a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, but I didn't know about the other part that she started with helping so many women. So you're going to call me. Well, maybe you won't call me. (laughs) I always say whenever I call someone, they're like, You actually called me on the phone. You didn't text me or email me. So you may not call me, but I know you're gonna email me and say, where can I get more? That was awesome, bring more people on like that. So enjoy, and as always, I would really love it if you would subscribe. If you would rate me, that would be awesome. Write a review, just take a few minutes. I know they say, hit the like button, smash it, whatever. This is my thing, baby. I want to highlight people around the world, especially in Positive Bitch Power Lady, women around the world who are just doing crazy things. And just creating a world I definitely want to live in. And I know you do, too. Welcome to Positive Bitch Lady, or as we like to say, Positive Power Lady. Listen in as your host, Sandy Joy Weston, takes on the hottest topics, explores how to deal with them in a positive, bold way, and highlights some amazing power ladies out in the world. Ah, Take a deep breath in. That's right. Chill, baby, chill, because this week's guest... Talk about, let's keep it real. Doctor, I'm getting like palpitations saying this because it's such an exciting subject to me. But Dr. Claudia Consolati, who I know very well from my favorite, favorite group, the Walnut Club Women. I got to meet her there, so I know firsthand what she's all about, which is so unusual, and you know how excited I get. So now I get to know her even more. But before you get to know her, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the founder of the Women Speak Up Project. Come on, awesome. And a coach helping visionary, visionary, I gotta talk to her about that, women entrepreneurs, overcome their fear of being seen and heard so that they can grow their business and income. Well, hello. She believes that finding your voice and boldly sharing it with others is the number one key to growing and scaling a business that makes you tons of money and changes lives. That's a good combination. A shy girl, which is hard to believe at heart, Dr. Claudia, has done more than 3,000 hours of public speaking and is regularly invited to speak about women's voices at universities across the U.S. and Canada. Welcome, Claudia. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Cindy, for having me here.
0: You know how, like, you get to meet people from a distance and you think, wow, I would love to just sit down with them and have a cup of tea and pick their brain? Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm actually having a cup of tea right now. I don't know. Can you smell it?
1: Yeah, I feel the same way, that, like, we're sitting next to each other and just chatting.
0: I know some people said it's just so different for them, but I... I, I can get it. You know, I can really feel the vibe and the energy, you know, coming through. I, I mean, I, I also focus in on your picture, so I, can ha- I have that from your website, so it really helps a lot. So anyhow, let's start in right away. I'm going to ask you to describe yourself in a word, just one word. If you were going to say, Sandy, in the last month, the last 30 days, not that you haven't had a mix of emotions, because we all have. But what has been the biggest emotion and what word would describe it? You know, it could be joy. It could be anger. You know, it could be whatever you want it to be.
1: I would say in the last few months, definitely excitement, which sounds like a weird thing to say since we're in lockdown and there's a pandemic. But I've grown a lot personally and my business has grown a lot. So I have a lot of excitement around that
0: i'm gonna tell you that is going to be an unusual one and i'm happy and i'm happy to hear it but you know it is possible i think after we got over the shock there were many people that said i'm going to take this time and what can i do there's a lot i can't do but what can i do and can i take this as an opportunity for growth so let's get it today you were able to grow your business during this time was it because you had more time to do it and focus in?
1: Yeah, absolutely, so I had more time to do it and to more time to establish like deeper connections with my clients but also my prospects and the people in my circle. But also I had more time to really think about my vision and let, let go of identities that were not serving me so that I can be like a pure channel for the message that wants to come through, through my business and that that has been an amazing journey and it has been very successful so that my message is even more powerful now than it was yeah. at the beginning of the year so that has been my experience I should say that I'm also an introvert and I am shy so spending time alone and not socializing even though I do really miss like the walnut club gatherings or salsa dancing too yeah. um, but I understand that it might be easier for someone like me who's an introvert versus someone who's yeah.
0: yeah, my son, he's he's 17 and he's an introvert and all his teachers and counselors, they're always checking in on Claude, like, how's he doing? How's he doing? He says, mom, just tell them I've trained for this my entire yes. life. And I said, you're right, because he says, mommy, you energize being around people. I energize when I have time alone. So I get it. I, I, I like both, but I have to tell you, Chloe, I do miss hugging and kissing people. I'm such a hugger. So, you know, that's a big thing for me.
1: I understand that. And also, like, physical touch. It's very; It can be very nurturing. Yeah, and so I'm driving my family nuts. Oh, my God,
0: if you tell us you love me one more time or hug or kiss me, are you crazy? But anyhow, I'm just going to envision you're sitting down with me. I'm having my tea, and we're going to have some girl chat. All right, so backing up here a little bit, I was looking at your journey. And I didn't know that you grew up in Italy. I had no clue.
1: Yeah. I moved to the States when I was 23. So I was already an adult.
0: So tell me, I mean, and I've been to Italy several times. Tell me one of your favorite things about Italy.
1: About Italy? um, I would say... You know, like, I could say, like, the food and the art, but also I'm going to say the sense of humor that Italians really? have. Yeah. It's like I was kind of like comparing and maybe, you know, like I was comparing how Italians handled the pandemic versus uh, American people. And I was comparing the sense of humor around that. And, of course, it's a very serious situation. But yeah. um, there was some humor created on the Internet around that and through memes. And... Yeah, the humor coming from Italy and the memes, it was just amazing. It was like, it's so anarchic that (laughs) it's very funny. And there is this anarchic kind of mindset there that can be a problem, but also kind of amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you visit often?
1: Yes, I was actually gonna, I was supposed to leave in less than a week, but my flight was canceled. So I go, all my family's there oh yeah i go twice a, a year for a good chunk of time
0: so where are i was reading a little bit which i want that them to, to know you and your story about you growing up in milan and then moving to a smaller town in the transition so i didn't realize though that everyone was back there but you
1: yeah and they're all in the small town I mean, my oh, sister, okay. my sister is not there. She's in another town, but in Bologna. But uh, yeah, my family is still in the small town in the Alps. So that's usually where I go back to when I go back when I visit.
0: Yeah. All right. So talk about being nine, growing up Milan. I can see, like, as far as you saying being an introvert, I could see it being easier being like my son loves New York City and being in a city and then all of a sudden thrown into a small town was it a big transition because everybody knows you there and you're more visible
1: I think I became visible that's a good way to put it because I was the new student Mm -hmm. and being an introvert I was more quiet and you know how kids are there's a lot of like you know you speak a lot, and you already have communities, so I was very visible in this community that was already established, and I was nine, so I wasn't super young, Yeah. Uh, so the community was already established, and I was the new kid uh, on the block, and I wasn't, you know, I, I need time to get to know people, and so I wasn't socializing right away, and so that transition was very hard for me, and I love, I love big cities, I love Philly, I love New York too. Like, yeah. I love the life that's there. So there's also that component that I realized only later that like a small town was kind of boring. <laughs>
0: okay. I, I, it's funny because when I tell people that my son loves New York city, they're like, I don't understand. Like, you know, why would he do that? Like he's such an introvert and he's so shy and a sensitive kid. And I'm reading your thing, shy introverted, and sensitive kid. And he says, mom, I can get lost in the crowd there. I don't know if you feel the same way because, you know, no one's like staring in on me.
1: I was like, I get it. I can see that. But also like, you know what it is? I have this theory that every, I can't speak for every introvert, but like I know for a fact, I've known many introverts throughout my life. I (laughs) think we have a secret exhibitionistic side. You know, I speak all the time. I'm on camera all the time. I do podcast interviews all the time. And I love that. So it might take take us some time to get there, but once we do, we're like we're loving the spotlight. But it, it has to be on our own terms.
0: Gotcha. I guess I could see that. So, is it? Let me ask you this: Is it different being on camera versus you went into a party and you didn't know anyone?
1: Yeah, and that's also a good point. Um, now. I'm okay even like even going to a party with like people I don't know even a lot of people I would be able to socialize yeah. uh, in my teens and 20s that wasn't always the case and that led to like many awkward situations that I now fully embrace Yeah. it's different because it's not on my own terms so I cannot control the energies and the people that are coming at me and I could get overwhelmed versus me choosing to be on camera and me choosing to speak and good point. point Yeah.
0: yeah alright so Take us back here. Um, You said it was, you know, challenging for you when you made the transition. And then skipping forward, though, you didn't really realize what you were going through until you became a professor. And then you had to be visible. So tell us a little about that.
1: Yeah, so... That was kind of like when I was nine and we moved, that was kind of like my coming of age moment. But I, of course, at nine years old, I wasn't able to formalize it as that. Um, so then I, you know, I went to school and then I became really good at at being a student and I was very ambitious. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to move to the States to get a PhD. And I went to the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. And All around my PhD, uh, I felt that something was missing. And at the beginning, I was just taking classes, so it wasn't that obvious, but then I started being a professor as well. And on the surface, I was speaking all the time. I had like huge classes. Um, I was very visible, but I felt that something was missing and I didn't know what it was. And so I was like, I have to figure this out. So I went on this deep journey to figuring out what it was. And I realized that what was missing was my voice. That even though I was speaking all the time, I wasn't Mm -hmm. sharing anything about myself. And not that I would share about myself in the classes, but like sort of like have everything come back to me and my vision in some way. I was just sharing other people's ideas and I was nowhere to be found. Hmm. And so I had to like go on the journey. I had to kind of like blow everything up. I did get my PhD. And I did become a professor, but I had to blow everything up in my life, go on a deep spiritual journey of awakening and of finding my voice, and then put the pieces back together. And that's, that's how my business came about.
0: Whoa. I mean, all right. So I have so many questions here. So here you are. And like you said, you're a successful professor and doing very well at it, right? You were, you know, so well received, but you say you keep saying that there was something missing. Like what do you mean like missing? You just weren't totally happy being a professor, or you did you didn't feel like you were following your total dream?
1: Yeah, so at the time I didn't know. It was more of a feeling. And I wanna say I was a professor and also an Ivy League trained professor. And I'm not saying it to brag, even though I mentioned it as many times as I can. But also, like, to give a sense of, like, I was at the top.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I felt everyone was like, oh, you're amazing. And I felt that something was missing. And it was this sense of dissatisfaction. I was Mm. struggling with low-grade depression, kind of like a sense of numbness. I wasn't fully alive. And I had Mm. moments, but I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel myself being fully alive and... Yeah, I had social anxiety. And mm-hmm. even though I looked very strong and empowered and independent from from the outside. And somehow I had this inner feeling that I was meant for more. And I thought I was crazy because, again, I was mm-hmm. like an Ivy League professor. And uh, I had this feeling that the four walls of the classroom were limiting me instead of offering a springboard to yeah. move forward. Well,
0: was there anyone that understood like was there any family member or counselor that you want to speak to that said I totally get this or did they all say what is wrong with you you got everything you know happening here for you
1: yes so no I didn't fully understand what was going on but this is very common this happens to women when we feel that something is wrong we immediately question ourselves and then the people around us tell us that we're crazy yeah. So everyone was like, oh, you have an Ivy League PhD, you have a full-time job as a professor, you know, you should be grateful.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? So that that's what the people yeah. around me were telling me until it got so bad that I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. Um, and that's when I really started my own journey. And it, I believe it's like... An individual journey, but you can have allies along the way and guides. I didn't know yes. what was going on at the time, but that's why I do the work I do now in guiding other women through that process of really finding their voice. If they have the sense that they're meant for more or there's something else, I guide them through the process yeah. of finding their voice.
0: So were you still teaching or did you back away from everything?
1: No, I I was still teaching. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've always had a full-time job throughout. And I do like being a professor. It's not, um, I had to come back to it on my own terms. Yeah. So do you, are you still a teacher now? Yes, I teach full-time. Uh, I teach uh, film, gender, and sexuality. Really? Yeah.
0: Ooh, that sounds like a really good topic. (laughs) It is a
1: very good topic. And that's what I mean when I had to come back to it on my own terms, teach the classes that I wanted to teach. And it was a process because it's not just me deciding. Yeah. Um, But I totally teach what I want to teach, which is very connected to what I do, coach women through and teach in my business. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this is what women go through because like, if people are telling me I'm crazy, Mm -hmm. I'm not trusting my intuition because I've been trained to not trust my inner voice. And I was like, oh, I guess I should just be happy with what I have versus aiming for more, which is, I think it's always a good idea to aim for more. You can be grateful for what you have.
0: Absolutely.
1: If you have a vision. It's exciting (laughs) to go for it.
0: Yeah. All right. So you go on this journey and you said you went on a spiritual journey. Did you have any mentors that you're like, ah, these people really helped me through at that time?
1: Yes. Um, I took a women's empowerment course in New York in 2017 that really changed my life. And it wasn't one-on-one, it was a group course. Over the course of uh, three or four months, we had in-person meetings in New York. And oh, then wow. in between. Yeah, that was that was the thing that kind of like helped me blow everything up <laughs> and get out of my shell. It was kind of like <laughs> a little bit edgy.
0: And
1: yeah. it was so, new. I needed something like that. I needed a shock to my system to get out of my cage. I felt I was living in a cage. Yeah. And yes. I couldn't breathe. Mm. How awesome! And yeah,
0: you know what I mean. And also brave of you because you took a huge risk there.
1: Thank you. I think it was brave. I, of course, at the time I was like, "Oh, I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough. I'm complaining about something that's good." But thank you for saying that because I think it was very brave. And that's why I have so much admiration for the women I work with. They're so brave to go on the journey to find their voice and then yeah. share it with, with others.
0: And, and it's scary because I know, you know, this is about you today, so I won't get it so much about my life, but I know firsthand how everyone's looking at you like you have lost your mind. Like, why are you doing this? You, you are crazy. And when you don't have that kind of support, you are scared shitless, you know? Well, isn't there a book "Feel the Fear and Do It Anyhow"? I don't know if I made that up or something that you know, like that.
1: Yeah, and like to me at that point, it was a matter of survival. I felt like not literally, but like I felt something needed to change because I couldn't go on living the same way. Even though Ooh. everything looked good uh, from the outside, I was married. I'm divorced now. Yeah, um, you know, everything looked good on the outside. But then inside, I didn't have my voice, so I didn't feel connected to myself, to my purpose in life, to a bigger mission. And now, you know what happens now? I can totally relate to people saying that you're crazy, and no one understands that, but now I love that. You know, I'm like, yes, I want to be the crazy one. Because that's how we're gonna change the world. Yeah, you mean you think I'm wacky? Awesome! Thank you, thank you so much, right? (laughs) I thank them now.
0: Well, you know, I was, I did this two day workshop on public speaking and and you would have loved it. But the one thing, you know, they go over and over and so many different stories is, I mean, it sounds so basic, but we keep having to relive it. Like, when you're trying to please everyone you screw yourself over i mean you just do and i think why do we keep having to hear that you know why why don't we get that because so many times people say when you please everyone you please no one what what is wrong that we have to keep drilling our brains with that
1: well i have an answer to that and i speak for women you know there might be some truth for men too but uh i work mostly with women and i teach women's studies and gender studies Because we've been conditioned from a very young age to please everyone else before ourselves. That's how we become disconnected from our voices. And that's how we internalize the inner critic. And then it shows up in public speaking or when we go to networking events or when we have to promote our business online.
0: Yeah, and and it's hard. I think it's more difficult now because there is... So much online. I mean, even before uh, quarantine, there's so much online that I don't know about you, but you can get caught up in how many likes you have. Do you know what I mean? How how visible are you? And watching other people online, it's another component that I didn't have to deal with when I was younger. You know that. You know we didn't have that in business. And that that to me, I call it my sticky wicket. Like, well, how do you watch? How many people viewed? And are you truly? I mean, not that you don't want millions, because you do. You want to reach as many people as possible, especially if you're very passionate about your message. But you want to put something out like what you were saying. It's your authentic voice, something you really want to put out there. And hopefully you draw in the right people. But that's hard, don't you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of competition and FOMO out there. I mean, I I cannot say that I don't look at likes and followers and all of that. But it's all about, I mean, it depends what your goals are. If you dream of being an influencer, by all means, go for a number, uh, for numbers. But if you're like a business owner, like I, I am, I'm much more interested in the quality of my connections versus the quantity and... That's also like a result of like finding my voice. I have amazing connections, you know, like with women like you to the Walnut Club. I create so I've created such authentic and deep connections of people who like me for who I truly am versus before where I didn't feel really connected to anyone.
0: Yeah. And I like that. I think there are way more women, like you said, I was reading, you know, your mission and. I do agree there's way more women than you realize that feel the same way you know they did all the right things they married the right person they got the right job they're doing all these committees and on surface you'd be like wait a minute you're not happy what the heck you know it just seems so crazy so I got it
1: yeah yeah it's so sneaky because it looks good on the outside and you might already be successful like in my case it looked like I had a voice yeah I was a public figure
0: yeah. And you and you did have a voice, but you you knew it was more. You knew there was more for you. Right. Yeah. All right. So, first question, you ready for this? Next 30 days, what word would you want to embody? How would you like to describe yourself in the next 30 days? What do you want?
1: I wanna say boundaried.
0: Ooh! I haven't heard that one. All right, explain.
1: Yes. So the concept of boundaries kind of like started entering my mind about two years ago before I was such a people pleaser that I had no idea not only that I was bad at setting boundaries, but that boundaries were even a thing, that they even existed. (laughs) So, So since then, I've been on a pretty hardcore mission to figure out my boundaries both professionally and in personal relationships as well because I'm an introvert I need to take care of my energy and I have a lot going on so that has been a major focus for me so that I can allot the exact time to each activity that I have to do so that I don't burn out because otherwise I know I'm gonna get burnout, out and that's also something yeah. that I had to deal with yeah
0: well you know what I like that Because my big thing was, I was putting, once we could go back out a little more, I found myself, again, committing to too many things. Like, when you're in quarantine, you're like, okay, this is good. I I mean, the, the upside of it is... I can't go to all these places. I can't. You know what I mean? So you're limited. But then it started to creep up. Now there's more, you know, webinars and Zoom calls. And, you know, now we're starting to be able to go outside a little more. So someone recommended that I just put big stickums everywhere that just says no. Before you do anything, put no. But it's the same thing. For me, I understand what you mean by boundaries. But for me, it is more about I don't have to do everything. And if I say no it's okay. They're disappointed. Isn't that hot? That like, I get what you mean by please. Yeah. Because especially if they're my friends or my family and I like them, they're people I like, forget those, you know, you don't have a connection with, I don't want to upset them or disappoint them.
1: Right. It's so crazy that we think that we're going to upset them. Um, and I totally believe it. And like, I feel the same way too, but I had to change my interaction with people to be like, I really care about you, and our connection is super important to me, but I need to take care of myself too. So what I like to say is that with boundaries, you're not saying no to them. You're saying yes to yourself.
0: Ooh, I like that. I'm going to use that. Can I use that?
1: You can quote me on that.
0: (laughs) I would quote you (laughs) on that. No, because it's true. If they're still upset after you communicated, then... Oh, well, and you have to reevaluate the people you surround yourself with because sometimes it's miscommunication. Sometimes you just say no and they're thinking, oh, my God, is it me? And And other times they're just really upset because they may also, the relationship, like Claudia, if let's say you really did take a journey and you've changed and you've evolved and now you're setting more boundaries and you're saying no more, right? There might be people in your life going, what the heck is going on here? right? Because that, that's a whole new you and they're not used to it. So you do have to, maybe you owe it to them to explain what's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then you can do so in a loving way. So like, I always like to talk about the difference between boundaries and walls. Walls, like you become unavailable. Boundaries actually establish a relationship with the other person, even if you're, if you need time to yourself. So you include the other person in the conversation and if you keep telling them and they don't understand then as you say you have to reevaluate the relationship but boundaries can be very very loving and they mean nothing about you as a person or the other person and i've found in my experience that the right people who are in my circle they love my boundaries and it shows them how to, how they can be more boundaryed too oh yeah that's right because they're like wait a minute She gives me permission to do that. Yeah, exactly. It's a permission slip for ourselves and then for for the people around us.
0: Mm. I love that. All right, let's jump into this one. Three ways the fear of being seen and heard holds women entrepreneurs back. Tell me more, Claudia. Tell me more.
1: Yeah, well, this is a huge topic. And it relates to the fact that I believe that finding your voice is the number one business asset. And we don't find our voice. or if we have our voice, we don't put ourselves out there because we're afraid of being seen and heard. We're afraid of judgment and rejection. So one way is, for instance, we don't put ourselves out there. So we don't do social media posts, or we don't go live on Facebook, or we don't do podcast (gasps) interviews, or public speaking, or whatever it is, or prom- just simply promoting our business, which means we don't grow.
0: You know what? I just thought of something. Sometimes when people say, oh, this and that about social media, and you know, there is good, bad, and ugly, and all that. But it also might be they're scared of the rejection versus they just hate it.
1: Yeah, it might be it, because it is a triggering experience.
0: Yeah, you, you, especially when you said, like, I was just thinking that when I'm thinking that people are like, oh, yeah, I don't like that, and I don't like that. But maybe they're, maybe they really don't, but also maybe they're scared to go on Facebook Live because you're really putting yourself out there. Yeah,
1: you're really out there and you have no control on the reactions, you know, and there are haters out there. So you're going to get some backlash, especially if you're doing, if you're saying things that really matter to you and that are a little bit controversial. Um, it's scary so it is scary but there's a way out of that you can work through that and then also like it holds us back I know for me going through like from the world of academia to starting my own business there was a huge gap there and it wasn't just about the knowledge gap which I had to learn I knew nothing about business but there was a an energetic gap. I wasn't the person that was able to start a business and be in business and be the face of the business. And I was held back by my fear of being seen and heard because I was used to this other system where on the surface I was public, but actually I wasn't sharing myself in any way. I was just fitting into a pre-existing box. And I had to go from that to creating my own box. And I had to go get over a huge amount of things.
0: You know, I'm sitting here and you're bringing back so many memories of different things. And kudos to you for all that because you really did. You went into the thick of it and you put yourself out there. But I'm thinking of, you know, the different times where about like even self-promotion. You know how some people, I'm reading this thing that says the struggle with self-promotion. And some people are so good at it. And I have to tell you, when I started out in business, that was I could do everything else and be like, "Oh, look at them! They're self-promoting." But really, I was guess I would think I would would have been scared of the rejection because when you self-promote and there's not somebody else over there, you can hide if you have a team of people, you know, promoting you. Like when I was in business, I had people surrounding promoting me. But then when I went out on my own, I would say, "Oh, that's not what I'm good at." But really, I think. If I'm going to admit it, Claire, I think it was a big bok bok. I was being chicken, you know, of the rejection.
1: Yeah, and that makes sense to be scared. And actually, I think, like, self-promotion and marketing your business is like the school of life. You know, you have to get over so much. And there's a very loving way to be through that process um, yeah. that it's totally worth the journey. But it is it is scary to... To promote yourself, to put yourself out there, especially if it's a business that you really care about. It's not just like, you know, selling toothpaste or whatever, like X product that has nothing to do with you. That's easy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: It's different selling your things, selling yourself as a coach, for instance. Um, It's hard.
0: It is. And it, it does take a lot of confidence. And I was thinking that you're sitting there, right? And you always, maybe it's just me in my head, but I will, I think I was always scared that someone would be like, oh, they're just here to promote themselves. Do, Do you know what I mean? And you're, and I didn't want people to think that, or, oh, they just want to, you know, build their business up to make money and all these stupid ideas. I don't want to say stupid, but silly ideas that went through my head when I was starting out versus you know, feeling confident in what I do and the money I'm going to charge. I'm sure a lot of women struggle with their their worth, right? Their financial worth.
1: Yes, because I, they think it means something about them. We give our power away by, you know, being scared of rejection and thinking whatever other people think. We take that at face value. Yes, when we promote ourselves and we would charge X amount of dollars. So, there are people who are going to judge us. There are people who are going to be triggered by us. Yeah. And when people are triggered by me promoting myself, which, by the way, I see as a celebration of myself and the work that I do now. but Oh, I love that.
0: I love see You just you changed. Now, when you say the celebration of myself and what I do now,
1: there's a whole new energy around that. Absolutely. And that's where you have to get to. It's not even about confidence. But if people are triggered by me promoting myself... And being enthusiastic about my life, my vision, and my work, I always tell them, "You need to work with me." <laughs> then to me, that's a telltale sign that yeah. I need to be the coach. It's
0: it's it's weird that I'm sitting here having these deja vu things that years ago I didn't I didn't know without was what's going on. You know what I mean? Now that I look back, I can honestly say, uh, yeah, that was just an excuse. I've I've overcome a lot of it, but. It, it, I didn't like you said, like I didn't know, I didn't have anybody telling me, I didn't know what was going on. So, how beautiful that there's someone like you that can guide ladies through this, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, they have to get to the point where, like, they love I love talking about my work now and talking about myself in general. And I was like the hidden person, you know, growing up, I was like the shy kid. Uh, and I'm still shy. So it's not that I, I became this extrovert all of a sudden. I love that because I'm so clear that my work changes lives. And I'm so clear that that is possible for all women. Yeah. That Like, it is just a celebration of life itself.
0: Yeah. And I can feel that you 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 can feel it coming through that I know there's no downside of you working with me. So why wouldn't I want to (laughs) self-primorate? Right. Oh, that's such a big one. Where were you years ago?
1: (laughs) I know, but so good of you to recognize all of that. And you know, like, things change with practice, but you could also, like, make everything faster uh, by enlisting the right support. Yeah, yeah. So confidence is overrated.
0: What are you talking about, Claudia? Confidence is overrated. You need safety instead. What do you mean?
1: So people talk about confidence So I just need to be more confident or I have imposter syndrome, I'm not confident enough. To me, confidence is kind of like a very generic word that means so many different things to to so many different people. And what I realized through, through my own healing is that I didn't need to be more confident, I needed to heal. And by healing, I needed to look at my own traumas and find inner safety so that I could speak and just be from that place, which I call the the yes state within. So, so
0: talk about um, a little bit more about the the safety.
1: Yeah. So when this is my take, and this is the, the approach I work with, and the foundation for my coaching as well. I believe that all women have blocks and traumas around using their voice. Okay. These traumas come come from family programming and messages we received growing up, like we need to be seen and not heard, for instance. These blocks and traumas come from society and the way women's voices and women are treated in general in society. And then a third piece, um, which is a little bit more controversial, is intergenerational trauma. So if I great-grandmother has experienced some sort of trauma around using her voice freely, we still carry that memory in our body. And what happens with all that trauma is that it creates disconnection and an inner sense that we're not safe in the world. I gotcha. Yeah. And that gets triggered when we're like public speaking. We have to speak in front of others and we literally, it's not safe. We leave our body. We have that feeling of disassociation from our body.
0: Now it makes much more sense to me. I totally, I totally get that. So it doesn't happen overnight though, right? I mean, it's a journey. It takes time. It's a
1: journey. And also recognizing that you're feeling unsafe inside, which is like, I looked strong and independent on the outside, but what I realized, and I, my approach is, is trauma-informed, so what I realized is that I was frozen. My body was frozen, I was stuck in a trauma response to protect myself from the world that I perceived as a dangerous place. And I know it's kind of heavy, but like once you work through that and recognize all of that, and then you get to the yes and the celebration, it's such a beautiful journey and it has such long-lasting effects.
0: Oh, man, yeah. Listen, anyone that is willing to take a deep dive into themselves for growth and self-exploration, it's scary, but man, is it rewarding, you know? And the big thing that I have, a huge thing, is especially women, they don't reach out as much as they should for help. You know, they feel like I shouldn't. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought this. I should know better. Why can't I do this myself? Why do I need help for that? Come on. Like like we're talking about uh, some of these subjects and you're thinking, come on, I should know this. I, I mean, I've heard this message a million times. Why isn't it sinking in? You know, or like you're saying the imposter syndrome. I understand that. Why would I ever feel like that? But many, many times you, someone from the outside who's an expert who can help you through these processes. Man, the journey's going to go a lot faster. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. And and also like you you have a different experience of the world because something that's very important to me is to create safety within the coaching relationship. Of course, this is obvious when you hire a coach, but it's something that I pay a lot of attention to because I want to give an example of what a safe relationship looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I was talking to this uh, guy the other day and he said, you know, so many people, they come on and they, you know, they coach with me and they feel like, you know, they're 40, 50, 60, and they feel like jerks. I'm, I'm putting it mildly. Like, how did they not start this before? And, you know, why did they know? He goes, hey, it's all right. You know, this is where we are. It's all good. You know, it's part of your journey. It's never too late. And he he said, you know, sometimes you just Didn't have the right tools. Do you know what I mean? Like you just, you you couldn't get there on your own. You you didn't have the right information at the time. You know, you you were just going through, you know. And until someone points out a different process or a different way to look at it, you don't have the right tools in your toolbox. So I don't know if you feel that way too.
1: Yeah, and I feel there's so much inner judgment all the time. And it's not that it goes away completely, but you become a lot better, Uh, handling it for yourself and managing it but also what you were saying earlier about women not asking for help that's another instance when we don't use our voice
0: yeah yeah and
1: share with others and it's it's still that is something that is very hard for me I was such a loner I'm gonna do everything myself and I'm gonna be the best at everything Mm -hmm. it's a challenge for me to reach out and to be supported so that's on a personal level that's my next edge
0: yeah, that, that's still an ongoing process for me to say, I need help with this because I want to be the giver. You know what I mean? I want to be giving, 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 giving. Even I noticed recently, it was my big thing that I was, my thing was I wasn't going to just spread joy, but pure joy. And that with my close friends and family, if I wasn't in a pippy, skippy, you know, totally upbeat mood, that I was going to be okay with that. Well, guess what? That was not well received. Because they were so wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You always spin it. Come on, spin it, spin it, spin it. You always have the positive thing. And we're talking, Claudia, I wasn't even down. I would just be quiet. You know what I mean? Like you're like just saying I was quiet that night at dinner, or I didn't say much. They that wasn't their piece of me. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, wait a minute, that's which is hard. And I think a lot of women do experience that when they're trying to develop and change. They're like, wait a minute. That's not who you are in the group, you know? You are this person. But I have to tell you, Chloe, it got exhausting just always being totally joyful. You just can't be that way.
1: No, so I, th- so I want to say two things in relation to what you shared. So finding your voice is about giving yourself permission to be human, to be fully human. So not just like monotone, like in your joy all the time. No, you're going to be in your joy and you're going to be sad and you're going to be angry and you're going to be a mess and you're going to be like numb, And that's all okay. And you validate that experience for yourself.
0: Yeah. It is hard, though, don't you think? Especially if you're someone who is an uplifter and you do that for a living.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is hard. And uh, also resistance, which you mentioned from family members and your community. That's something to be expected when you find your your voice or or there's an evolution of your voice. Yeah. Well, did you experience that? that again?
0: Did you experience that?
1: Not as much as other people tell me that they experience it. It comes up all the time with clients. So with me, actually, I was surprised I had a very receptive uh, community and family when I was actually able to speak my truth. But it comes up all the time with clients and other women in my network so it's actually something that I do address in my coaching and you can once you're strong inside once you have that safety inside you can deal with it and play with it and I'm giving air quotes uh, more
0: yeah when you're ready when you're ready and I'm sure you help them with that
1: yeah absolutely it's something that has to be taken into consideration because it's something that's gonna happen
0: yeah So, Claudia, who are your influencers right now? Huh.
1: Right now? Okay, so someone who's been my, you know, source of inspiration for for a long time, but I definitely identify with, is Esther Perel. I don't know if you're familiar with her. No. So she's a relationship therapist in New York, but she's also a thought leader she talks about developing erotic intelligence which is similar to what I talk about in terms of developing your voice and developing your sense of aliveness you know it doesn't have to be Mm. to deal with sex it's just like coming to life again um so yes I definitely identify with her and with what she's done uh and as a thought leader that's where Ah. I want to be myself
0: How about a favorite book?
1: Hmm. Favorite book? Oh, my God. I have so many.
0: Anything you're doing right now?
1: Yes. So what am I reading right now um, that I really like? Yes, I'm reading this book by Mastin Kip. It's called Claim Your Power. And it's a trauma-informed approach to claiming your power back. And I have to say that Mastin Kip was definitely one of my influences in terms of understanding trauma and understanding how to deal with it you know like going through the process of healing but also like turning that turning their wounds into wisdom and into celebration of yourself as just like a beautiful divine being an expression of life
0: oh really you know, it's so funny i i've read so much and i think i know so many different leaders and i have not heard of this book or of Esther. So I'm like crazy writing things down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, as a side note, I love, I'm such a reader. You yeah. know, I was an introvert and I spent like the first two or three decades of my life just reading. So um, yeah, I always love talking about books.
0: Okay. What is, I have a question here from a young lady. Please ask her, what is her number one way? Make sure I get this right. Number one way of dealing with stress or anxiety when she gets overwhelmed what does she do first that's a good question
1: very good question um short-term approach i would say understand that it's not all of you that's getting anxious and overwhelmed but it's the little part of you that's getting anxious overwhelmed maybe scared maybe there are things under that anxiety So what you can do is realize that there are two parts of you in that moment, the adult you and the little child you, and you can talk to that anxious and scared and overwhelmed part of you to calm her down. So you can say loving things like, you know, I see that you're really overwhelmed right now and I just want to tell you that it's okay and I'm here for you. Ooh, I like that. Now...
0: Is that something that you personally use? Does that work with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I use it all the time. So this is a modality called inner child work. So understanding that there's a scared, sad, angry part of you inside when you were a little, you know, a little part of you. And that it's not, and sometimes we over identify with her. So when we're in in reaction mode, anxiety, um, anger, but also like depression, she's speaking not Ah. you as a fully formed adult. So you can actually have practices within your day of talking to her.
0: Yeah. I remember you. you, This is so fun. I I don't know why this is happening to me because it's not usual, but I'm like having all these memories. I remember when I was in my twenties and I got this deep tissue massage and he was like a spiritual guy too. And he said to me, Sandy, I don't know if you're ready for this, but something is telling me, you need to tell your 10-year-old that you are safe now.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it,
0: it was creeping me out. Like, he was just feeling the energy, and he said, you need – and at the time, I, I mean, I, I was thinking I was just getting a sports massage, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and he'd come up with that, but it, it wasn't something he spent a lot of time talking about unless he thought, you know, it was safe and the client. He goes, I think you're going to get this. But I didn't understand for many years what he was talking about. But he's like, you need to keep reassuring your 10-year-old. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense to you?
1: Absolutely. That's, like, so much of the work, the foundational work I do, you know, Ah. because I believe that she's something happened to her. You know, we all have our own stories, and I focus on what happened to her around the voice. And speaking up and not being heard or having emotional reactions or being scared when you're little and mm-hmm. no one is there for you and even in the most well-meaning circumstance so you kind of like internalize the sense that no one is there for you and it could manifest for me it manifested mostly as depression yeah but it could manifest as anxiety and overwhelm not to Gosh. say that there are not real reasons to be anxious in the real world so that's true but also we can manage how we react to that And so a lot of my own healing was around starting talking. I started talking to her and reassuring that she was safe.
0: Oh, I love that. And thank you for sharing that with us. So when you're talking about, you know, because trauma is a big word, it doesn't have to just be, because I know some of my listeners on a previous podcast said, is it talking about one instance or it can be... Like you said, it doesn't have to be this one big thing.
1: No, it doesn't have to be this big thing. That's what I thought too. But now experts talk about big T trauma, which is usually the big event, uh, which could be like a war or like a natural disaster. Yeah. Or little T trauma, which is really like another word for emotional neglect. which could happen also like in a very I grew up in a very privileged liberal well-meaning family but there's no one there who really understands you or tries to enter your world and that happens over a number of years so you kind of internalize that your voice doesn't matter and that your inner world doesn't matter and that your emotions don't matter and that kind of like starts living in your body and so it's your job as an adult to reparent that little you that experienced all of this.
0: Okay, now I understand. I, I Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I think sometimes people think, oh, trauma, and they're they're thinking, oh, like you said, war or sexual abuse, and it doesn't have to be something like that.
1: But you called it big T, is that what you said? Yeah, so there's a distinction be- between big T trauma, which is the war, the sexual abuse, and little t trauma, which is emotional neglect, but also I would say, you know, just being a woman in this society, with the fact that, you know, our voices are not heard, or not believed, even when we speak up against uh, sexual assault, the, what happens is that people immediately question us. Yeah. So like, that's a form, in my view, of little t trauma. Gotcha. So we constantly live with that messaging and we internalize it that our voices don't matter. So it's up to us with the help of supporting supporting guides and coaches to tell that little girl that her voice does matter.
0: Yeah, that's that's a cool idea. But I can see I, I need to do more work in that because I'm really not familiar with that. The inner child work. That sounds like a whole study.
1: Yeah, there's a whole field and there's definitely experts. There's very good books out there and there's practitioners. I'm I wouldn't call myself an inner child practitioner, but I do incorporate it as one of the tools to develop safety within so that you can get to that yes state where you just like feel safe experiencing joy and happiness mm-hmm. and celebrating yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, Claudia,
0: I could talk to you forever and we're running out of time. So I want to make sure I get your third big takeaway, which is orient yourself and your business towards what feels good versus what you think you should do. I mean, we touched on that a little bit, but that's a big one.
1: It's a big one, I'm sure you're you're kind of like the expert on this, but understanding that you're transitioning out out of an old way of being, where it's like hard work and you should do all these things that other people tell you to do versus a new way of being that you can decide for yourself and a great compass in that new world that you're creating for yourself is deciding on what feels good to you and build a business and a life around that and it's not a vanilla concept it's a radical revolutionary concept because yeah. we're not we've not been taught
0: and i think i hear, what i hear all the time people saying oh yeah it's easier for you because you got started years ago but the first thing that family members say or spouses is, oh, goody, now how are we going to eat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like how are you going to make money doing that? You know, I'm sure that's a big part of it, don't you think?
1: Yeah, so, like, it's a couple of things, you know, what others are going to say. And, like, they're not going to believe until you believe it. So the first step is, like, you have to believe it. And it's kind of like taking a leap of faith because at the beginning, you're going to think you're insane, and so you just have to make peace with that. You're going to think you're crazy. I still think I'm crazy sometimes. But I believe that what feels good is a business asset. It's not just as much as like, you know, Instagram is or yeah. scheduling yeah. things in advance. Um yeah. it's a it's a very radical shift and it does take time. And it's hard work. You know, it's it's about what feels good, but it's very hard work, but like and ultimately, you know, I'm not here To convince anyone that they need to do it, it's part of me giving them agency to change their life, Yeah. to encourage them to take the journey, but they have to make that decision. And it's hard.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you would make it a lot easier, Dr. Claudia. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on our podcast. And before we go, is there anything that you want to say that we didn't get in?
1: I think we covered a lot. You know, I could talk about these things for um, a long time. (laughs) Yeah, for months. And I love talking about these things. But I would say if the listeners are curious about my work and what I do, they can go to my website, uh, com. They can also get a free guide there. And then they can follow me on Instagram at dr.claudia.consolati.
0: Love it. Well, I would suggest highly, highly to just check it out. Just check it out. All right. Thank you so much, Claudia. And my let's keep it real people. I know you think Dr. Claudia kept it real. A lot of fun. Lots of great information. Enjoy it. Chew on it. And then reach out to her. There is no doubt she will be able to help you in some aspect of your life. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say.
1: Toodles. Thanks for listening. Remember to like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed. And remember, stay powerful.